0: Friends, it's Morgan Snyder and welcome back to another episode of the Become Good Soil podcast. The mission of Become Good Soil is to go after the hearts of the few, to reach the many, to find the few. I love the passage in the gospel when in Peterson's translation, it says, Jesus traveled up the mountain with his climbing companions. He left the many and those that wanted to do the work, those that were willing to pay the price that it costs to pull away and climb the mountain and draw closer, closer to God, closer to each other. Um, Jesus had other treasures to share with them, the thirsty, the few. And my heart behind this is a deep, profound belief that the gospel is made available to every human being in every moment of our days. But what marks the few is those that consent, those that say, yes, God, I am all in. I will risk it all on you and your kingdom. And so that's my heart, to become that kind of person and to share my life with those who want same thing. So today, I'm excited to take you into a podcast. We're releasing a session from the most recent Become Good Soil intensive. This took place in May of 2019 at a place called Spring Canyon at what is believed to be the most ancient spring that comes out of the Collegiate Peaks on the Continental Divide of Colorado in the entire state of Colorado. There's never been a time where it's run dry and the camp is built around this sacred spring. And it's a very, not only symbolic reality, but it is a supernatural reality. It feels like that life that John talks about of Jesus in John chapter four, this spring that overflows from the heart of the human person, the life of God, literally infused in the soul of a person, available to all people. That life was the heartbeat of the mission and the heartbeat of this place. And my sense was, in preparation for this next intensive coming up next year, and the applications being accepted now, I would take you back to a session that was very holy, it's very intimate, um, hosted by myself and John Eldridge. So before we dive into that, as mentioned, we are now accepting applications for the next Become Good Soil Intensive. We have no idea what the conditions will be like in the world with the pandemic, but we are going forward confidently and courageously believing that God will make a way where there is no way. And we're also open to what God has. It's a new time in human history, and we're dreaming about a Become Good Soil intensive, long-term experience over the internet, where we are in virtual community traveling with the like-hearted It could be available to more people um, of different ages and there's a lot of excitement and prayer and curiosity around that but for now we have this intensive it'll be in april of 2021 and we are accepting applications now through november 1st as you likely know the applications are quite extensive they require various references and the application process itself is, from what many men have told us, it's very holy, an experience that's well worth the time in the investment. It is a prerequisite to have attended a Wild at Heart basic or a Wild at Heart boot camp. So if you're out there and you're really tracking with the mission and message of becoming a king, become good soil, and you're interested in sharing in this expression of it with the intensive or some version of it in the future, a first step would be to facilitate or attend a Wild at Heart Basic retreat. You can find more on that at wildatheartbasic.com. But if you have uh, passed that marker on the journey, then make sure that you find all the details available at becomegoodsoil.com on the intensive. But we would urge you to apply and we read every application extensively. We pray over them. We sort through them. We try to listen for God's heart for every man and see where we might participate with his journey of becoming the kind of man, the kind of king in whom God is glad to entrust the care of his kingdom. So in light of that, uh, keep November 1st in mind, and we'll turn to a really holy session never before brought Um, outside of the confines of the intensive itself, but now brought to you, this larger community. So join me and John and a handful of like-hearted men as we go after the gold and respond to God's initiative in this session from the 2019 Become Good Soil Intensive. Life begins in you. You are the center of the story, the hero of the story, and we belong to you, God. So we ask for the fullness of your inheritance today, God, that you would give us, as you promise in Galatians, the full access to all that you have given to your son, Jesus, the equal access to the riches of the kingdom of heaven poured out for us. We consecrate, this time, and we declare your role, your jurisdiction, your authority, and we ask that you would
1: pour in your river in Jesus' name. There's this beautiful tree across
0: the street from my house, and in my little suburban neighborhood, it's all fenced and, you know, kind of postage <laughs> stamp, gridded out, and uh In some ways, it's falsely protected from the winds, and the prevailing winds come from kind of, this is northwest, so they come west-northwest, but once in a while, they swing northeast, and this rogue wind came, the Chinook that turned off the front range. There was actually a pair. came right down our street, and this tree came down. It was an old tree that was planted when the neighborhood was established, and I walked down to the root system of this pine And it was like shocking to my soul because this big, beautiful tree had no roots. It's intended to have a taproot one and a half times the length of the trunk. That's the kind of the anatomy of the species. And instead, all it had was this surface network in an arid place from a sprinkler system that just watered it from the surface. And it wasn't until the wind came that it was tested and revealed the nature of reality. it's just a symbol, a parable of it's not until the storm comes that shakes the house, the violence, the winds, the tornado, NIV says, until we actually see what the house is built upon what we cannot see is far more important than what we do see. It matters most, and it will be revealed one day. Everything, as I said, was prologue, and yesterday evening, we touched on this idea of habitat, that you were designed for a habitat, and it's only in participating with God to cultivate a habitat for your soul to survive and then thrive, that you can become the man God intended you to be. But in that habitat, there's much that we need to do in that participation with God that he has for us. And this morning is about that. And I want to share the story and then invite my friend to come up. Another story about Dallas. He said, toward the end of one of Dallas's philosophy classes, a student raised an objection that was both insulting toward Dallas and clearly wrong. And instead of correcting him, Dallas gently said, this would be a good place to end the class for the day. And afterward, a friend approached Dallas and said, why'd you let him get away with that? Why didn't you demolish him? And Dallas replied, oh, I was practicing the discipline of not having the last word. (laughs) I didn't think of that. He said, being right is actually a very hard burden to carry gracefully and humbly. That's why nobody likes to sit next to the kid in class who's right all the time. One of the hardest things in the world is to be right and not hurt people with it. He was practicing the discipline of not having the last word. My question for you this morning, the question for this time together is, what is it that you're practicing? Within the context of a habitat, there are habits, there's a shape, there are practices, there's a way of living that becomes the conduit of the life of God. And I want to ask John to come join me. Um, to have a conversation about this topic. John, before before we do anything else, though, on this topic, have a seat. Thanks, Sarah. I just really felt moved to pause for a minute and um, let you just see these faces, because this outpost of this great revolution, this, right here and these men. All is anchored in you becoming the kind of person that could be entrusted with wild at heart from the heart of God and to not quit, um, to run the race and fight the fight and keep the faith. So... Let these eyes be your thank you.
1: gracious and we all know that we got caught up into something jesus is doing we're the guys who found the treasure in the field and we're like holy shit like has anybody seen this like come here like come look at this this is unbelievable yeah thank you super kind um lots of stories to tell there Maybe maybe in this session. Yeah.
0: Well, as God leads, wherever we want to go on this, but I particularly wanted to ask John to help host this conversation because, um, well, you've been writing on it. You've been living in it specifically in this year, but generally this idea that the habits are what root us yes. in the life of God. Yes. And, and like Jeremiah 17, they when they graft into the riverbank, the river of God, then whatever the weather, whatever the season, there is fruit. Um, So I just want to ask you some questions. Yeah. Um, Maybe starting with, at one point, you were 30, you were 35, you were part of this 72. Could you take us back there a little bit? What do you remember... And maybe even a bit of contrast of like then and now as it relates to how you lived, right? Like how you stayed rooted, what's grown over the years. At one point, you had little kids. This was just launching. Mm -hmm. What, What did, how did habits, exercises, practices kind of mature for you? And what was like in like the throes of this season? right? Because you're in a different season now. So can you take us back there a little bit?
1: If I can. So, Jesus, you have certain things that you want for us today. And there are stories that would be helpful and there are stories that wouldn't. So come to Morgan and me, come to our thoughts, come to our reflections. For those stories that are needed yes. today. Yes. Stories that are needed today. Yes. So I'm going back. I'm trying to find trying to find that guy. <laughs>
0: I didn't ask. We have not talked at, all, at about all this morning about this. So he
1: told me this morning we were doing this. So. <laughs> um I had this internal awareness, um, and, and you know it's been developed over the years, but the internal awareness I had was that I don't like what this is doing to me. Mm. It was a way of kind of like measuring things. And so my poor wife loves movies. She absolutely loves movies. And you would think that I love movies too because I use them so much in my books. But in the early days, I would walk out. On movies. <laughs> A lot. And she would like, where is, where is he going? I would just leave. <laughs> because I didn't like what it was doing to me. Mm. And I, I maybe couldn't have named why um, at the time, but I just had this internal yeah. thing, or I'd be in conversations with people. And and now, now my daughters-in-law blame this on me because my sons will just get up and... Walk out of a room because they don't like the direction of the conversation. Now, not like a marital conversation, not like "honey, can we have a talk?" and, but just like people bullshitting or just chit chat or you know the the party thing and the false, Mm -hmm. the fake, the surface. So what what I'm what I'm recalling was I didn't I didn't have a category for it. I didn't, uh, but I just knew my soul my soul wanted life. Um, and so I, I would, I would gravitate towards things that brought me life Mm -hmm. and I would walk away from those things that didn't. Mm. And, and, and I would gravitate towards those things that felt somehow healing to my soul. Mm. And I would walk away from those things that felt damaging to my soul. Um, and so. And, and this is a fascinating thing. I didn't know this about myself as a kid, but my mom told me recently. She said, you never watched television as a boy. And I, I absolutely hate it. I hate mm. television. And, and, because I don't like its effect on me. Mm. I don't like what it. So um, in those 30 years, three young boys, mm. married, um, at one point, full-time job and in grad school. And that's when we wrote Sacred Romance. So it was pretty mad. You know, it was, it, was a pretty, it was a pretty wild time. But I loved the outdoors, and I would get outdoors every opportunity I could. Um, I remember when I was riding Wild at Heart, I, I, I bought a mountain bike. And I would bike through U Park mm-hmm. from Chokecherry, mm-hmm. and it was like I got my life back. Mm. Um, so I would, I would seek out those things. Yeah. That would bring me life and felt sustaining to my soul that I could pull off yes. in dad, yep. husband, full-time job, grad school. Yep. And I would just look, look for those moments, look for those, look for those things. And even down to stuff like this. So like in grad school, you know, they'd give out an assignment. And I would just kind of quickly evaluate, I don't have time for that. <laughs> And now, you, you understand, I am a recovering perfectionist. Like, I was a straight-A student um, before I got kicked out of high school. Um, and, and, and I'm the kind of guy that loves to, you know, don't just win, but, like, win big, mm. you know, crush everybody. <laughs> and, and I would just look at that and go, that's going to damage my soul if I do that. Mm. If I bust my balls to mm. get that done between, you know, 11 and 1 a.m., mm. I, I, that's, I don't I don't want that. I don't want that effect mm. on me. So I just wouldn't do it. Mm. So there was just this stubborn insistence yeah. on where's the nourishment. Yeah. And I am walking away from those things that I can walk away from that do harm to my soul.
0: Mm. Yeah, I appreciate too. Like even thinking of the mountain biking, you're not talking about like even a day's adventure. No. You're talking about a loop. might 20, take 20 minutes. 20 right? minutes. But the reset. Right. The reorientation. Right. Exactly. So, John, one of the things I wonder is, so at 58, talking to the 35-year-old you and looking back with the mercy of grad school, full-time work, three little boys, and this calling that you feel um, that you just know, like, right, all you can name is, I got to get out of this movie. I can't watch TV. Like, uh, you know, you, you didn't see all this coming. No, What would 58-year-old John say to 35-year-old John as it relates to living in the dailies Mm -hmm. that he didn't know at the time?
1: Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's the same thing that I want to say to you guys this morning. Your soul matters immensely. Despite that insistence on... You know, not being around stuff that did isn't like its effect on me. I, I, don't, I don't know that I would have said that at the time. I don't mm-hmm. know what I would have said. My soul matters mm-hmm. and my soul is worth caring for. Your soul matters. That, I mean, just that alone. Because here's the bottom line. Why don't we do these things? Right.
0: Why don't we do these things? So can you give an example of as you see 35-year-old John where you go, oh, he was acting— Really, like his soul doesn't matter. Looking back,
1: mm-hmm. um, I, I, you know, there's a there's a progression of of healing in anyone's story, and I was still living out of a lot of drivenness, mm-hmm. and so I would just say the pace of my life, mm-hmm. the pace of my life. My my basic approach was charge everything. Just to just charge mm-hmm. everything, um so if it's a family outing, let's charge it, you know if it's work, charge it if it you know just attack mm-hmm. it, go and that was just super unkind, yeah, you know yeah. It, it, there was no genuine rhythm, and especially not in my day, mm-hmm. to kindness, care for the soul, putting down roots, yeah. that that sort of yeah. thing I, I you know soul matters. And you're living at an insane pace, yeah. I think I would say to young me is you're you're far more loved than you know. Mm. You're far more loved yes. than you know. you're yes. acting like you're not loved mm.
0: right that's i mean good.
1: that's that's good that's what most of that was was born out of mm. yeah
0: yep, one of the um I think core pieces. This gospel that is missing in a lot of Christendom this day, as we talk about, is inner restoration. Yes. Right? And that's where yes. you just see a too yes. much power, too little kingdom, the yep. leverage. Yep. And what we're after is the inner restoration. One of the things I think I've come to appreciate and see in this message is the secret life of a man is often his great shame, and kind of the debilitator when in fact, it's meant to be his great power.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: His secret life Mm -hmm. is something that's meant to be his great treasure. Mm -hmm. And I think if there's anything that I've come to know about you, you have a pretty sacred secret life that's your strength. I know you do. Yeah, I do. Um, Because these men love you and I love you and want to learn in the spirit of like spiritual practices. Can you give us a glimpse? Can you pull the curtain back on? Hey, here's something people don't know. It's part of my secret life. That's mm-hmm. a fuel. Mm-hmm. That, um, oh, it's, mm-hmm. I wish people knew this is where it comes from.
1: Mm-hmm. Here are two things. Here is a stick. <laughs> and here is a rock. Rock and a stick. <laughs> um, I I carry stuff like this around in my pocket. And I um, hold it and I feel it. When we were in Wales, Blake came into my room at one point on the Wales boot camp. He's like, what are all these sticks and rocks doing? <laughs> <laughs> and this is my son. So this, you know, he's like, what the That's hell crazy. are you, Why do you have all these sticks and rocks? Um, and And here's... <laughs> There's a whole thing. There's a whole thing behind this. So loving the real. Yeah. Loving the real and hating what is fake. Okay. So this this was a survey done by the World Health Organization in 2001. So you can imagine how dramatic the data has. In 2001, we spent 93% of our life indoors, Okay, you, you mm. have lived Jeez. 93% of your life indoors. Okay, so you, you have no idea how damaging that is to the soul. Because that means that you have, your soul, which is created for this habitat, mm-hmm. right, um, has been put into a styrofoam box most of your life. And so instead of the real, you live in an artificial world, Right um the weather is artificial in, in cuz it's controlled by the hvac right and the sounds are artificial it's the whir of the technology mm. it's the click it's the beep it's the, right so your sounds are artificial your weather is artificial mm. um everything you touch just about is artificial mm. it's fake it's some sort of faux wood plastic you know vinyl something carpet and instead of like you know, fresh air mm. and, and, and life and enlivening things, you know, for the soul, most of what is in that artificial world actually off-gases toxins um, and poisons you, uh, mm. actually, all day long. Um, and so um, it, this is a flight back to the real for me because I live in that world too, guys. I live in a normal house. I don't live in a teepee. I drive, you know, from my house to work. And so I'm in an artificial environment in my car, in artificial weather, an artificial sun, you know. And then I walk into an office building. And, and so I began to look for practices that would get me back to the real mm. and that would ground my soul in the real. Loving the real is, is just an enormous step in the right direction in all kinds of ways, mm-hmm. right? Um, but let me let me let me offer some other things in that. So Bart was asking me and and even like the standing ovation, what's a person supposed to do with that? No, honestly, well how, how are you even supposed to hold that? You can't. that's that's way too big for a human soul. Um, and And Bart, you know, we were chatting late last night at um, back at our place, and and he was saying, John, like all day long, I was looking at this and looking at your movement and that kind of thing, and what are you doing with this? And I, Bart, I was trying to think of, I couldn't process in the moment. I, what I said to you in the moment was, it's too much for a soul to take in. Mm. I can take in a face. Mm. I can take in a story. Yeah. And that's very rich. That's very beautiful. But to ask yourself to take in like... <laughs> like a movement of God, you know, it, here's what I would have said. I finally found the right analogy. The, the, the analogy is it's like trying to read too much scripture at once,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? It's it just, after a while, you're just kind of bloated and it's, and it numbs you and it, um you can take in a little, right? But you can't read the whole thing mm-hmm. in one sitting or, or, you know, there's all kinds mm-hmm. of too much in one sitting. So, Being kind to your soul, what you ask of your soul. So, okay, so you asked for some of the secrets. Here we go. Um, Benevolent detachment. Mm -hmm. The Desert Fathers called it benevolent detachment. It's not cynicism. Mm -hmm. It's not resignation. Mm -hmm. It's not hatred. It's not giving up. Benevolent detachment is this. I give everyone and everything to you. Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. Now, here's how this began, because that sounds like super aesthetic and very monastic, and it is, and it's wonderful. But here's how it began. I This about, I don't know, several years ago, I would come to God in prayer, and I would be asking about something, something very, very concrete, you know, uh, a decision we needed to make about a trip, or my aging mother and her care, or the conversation that didn't go well at work, so I, I, you know, something very practical, Jesus. And he would say, he would respond, give everyone and everything to me. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, I'm like, whoa, that's really good. I like that. I like, I like the sound of that. And so I, I, would, I would attempt that mm-hmm. as best I could in, in that moment. Okay, Lord, yes. Now, my mom, you know, and I would come back and he would say, give everyone and everything to me. Now, I swear to you. He repeated this Uh, about every single time I came to him in prayer Mm. for anything. He repeated this over months. Mm. And and after a while, I'm like, give everyone everything to me. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I know what you're going to say. Uh Now can we move on to the (laughs) answers that I really need, right? I was irritated by it. I was bugged by it. And then finally, I realized because I thought I was practicing it. I thought I would do it. Every time he said it, I would do it. Uh, and then I realized, oh, my God, I have no idea how much I'm carrying. I just have no idea how much I'm carrying in, in my world out of a good heart, out of some brokenness, mm-hmm. and out of a good heart. And, and so this idea of benevolent detachment, I mean, really, I release everyone and everything to you, yes. has become an extraordinary lifesaver. Yes. So, like, even, even in, you know, for heaven's sakes, you have this room of, of really wonderful men. I mean, remarkable men. Um, and, and you all gave me a standing ovation. Well, Jesus, I, just, I give that to you. I, I I give that to you. If you want to talk to me about that later, we can. But I you, like my aging mother, my wife who's about to travel today, and how's her flight going to go? I, just all that, like, because here's the thing. Augustine said we must we must empty ourselves of that which we are full, so that we may be filled with that of which we are empty. Mm. Okay, we are we need God desperately. Like actually, yes. like the being of God into our being, Yes. right? Um, and, and so in order to get there, we have to release everyone and everything mm. to God. We have to do that. So, um, he, and then here's a practice that came into our world through that. So um, every day in the outpost, monastery bells go off at 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. And what we practice, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, it's very disruptive. <laughs> You're starting a meeting at 10. It's very disruptive. Mm-hmm. You're on a phone call. What we do is we, we practice the one-minute pause. So here's what I'm going to give you today is the one-minute pause. Because it's accessible and it's sustainable. Mm-hmm. That's the problem Got with you. most of the yeah. spiritual disciplines. They're yeah. not accessible and they're not sustainable. So mm-hmm. chuck, chuck them. I mean, it's not helpful. It has to be accessible, and it has to be sustainable. The one-minute pause, okay? During which I practice benevolent attachment. Because I've already gotten wound up. Mm. I'm I'm already wound Mm. up in my day. I'm cranking, or I'm tweaked, or I'm whatever, Mm. you know. Or I'm, let it go, Mm. let it go, let it go. So we're going to do this right now. Do you have a watch? I don't have a watch. Great, I'll guess it. I'll guess it. No, it's fine. We're gonna. It will seem longer to you than it actually (laughs) is. That's the fascinating thing about the one minute pause. We are talking sixty seconds, and you're going to be amazed at like, whoa, I am. I'm done. Are we done yet? You know. Okay. During which, we are going to give everyone and everything to Jesus. Now, can I I name a couple things that would be very helpful let go right now? The people in your life, your chimney sweep job, Mm. all of it. You're literally going to release all of it and just enjoy the benefit of that to your soul. Mm. Okay? So here we go. Silence. 60-second pause. I give everyone and everything to you, God. While we are in this place, stay in this place, Holy Spirit, I give everyone and everything to you. Yes, God. I give everyone and everything to you. And for today, for this moment, I sense that what the Holy Spirit wants to do, I ask you to give me a picture of my soul you would give me a picture of the condition of my soul. And you don't have to imagine it. You don't have to conjure it. I give everyone and everything to you. No pressure. I pray that you would give to me a picture of the condition of my soul. We're just going to stay in this reflective thing for a moment because there's, there's more that, that God would like to do in this moment. Some of you saw things like a burned out forest, a desert. You saw just a dish that was empty, things like that. Or, or you saw darkness, kind of something that you couldn't even quite see it because it was sort of shrouded in darkness. Um, and some of you saw things like alpine meadows, the ocean. Um, beautiful things. And so, Jesus, let there be light into my soul. Yes, let there be light. I invite the light of God into my soul. Invite the light of God. I invite the river of life. I invoke the river of life into the damaged places of my soul we're just going to kind of linger with that for a moment i invoke the river of life into the damaged places of my soul and some of you saw them or you're beginning to see more of them now or you're imagining it that's fine I invoke the river of life. It is it is the very life of God flowing like a river from his being into your being. So I am invoking, receiving the life of God like a river into the damaged places of my soul. The parched, the barren, the angry, the raging, the locked up, locked down, the fog the darkness, let there be light into all of the darkness. I'm invoking the river of life into my being, into my soul, into the damaged places of my soul. And then if if, if you got beautiful pictures and you say, Jesus, do that in my soul. So I invoke beauty. I invoke beauty into the condition of my soul. I invoke abundance and life into the condition of my soul. Invoke, Lord, beauty. The scripture says that the desert will become a garden and the parched ground, bubbling springs, that there is a greenness and a lushness. Mm that is supernaturally available to us. And we are invoking the beauty and the lushness. And then you, you have favorite places, favorite, you know, and it's the ocean or the mountains or a river. It, you have favorite places. I invoke the beauty of that into my soul. I invoke the, do that in my soul. Do that into my soul. Living God, the river of your love, the river of your glory, the river of your life into all damaged places in my soul. Amen. So I just, I, I love
0: God's way. So this morning I was in my room just praying, Holy Spirit, like, where where we go after this? And, and I didn't know what this would be. And so I was like, I don't know where we go. And, and the question that came is, what is the condition of my soul? Oh. That was the question. Yes. That was the next piece. Yes. And I just love God. Yes. Of like, you know. Yes. Like yeah. Just yeah. His kindness,
1: His intentionality, yes. His care. Yes. So it's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. The care of your soul is first because everything else depends on it. Your wife depends on it. Your kids depend on it. Your mission depends on it. Your joy, for heaven's sakes, depends on it. Your further restoration depends on it. Hanging on to the restoration you currently have depends on it. Everything depends on it, which is why to to say your soul matters and the care of your soul, it's the first thing to go. It's the first thing to go in a a busy, war-torn life, right? So... Um, some thoughts. You can use the one-minute pause. You can use that. I I do it every night when I pull into my driveway. I literally lay my head down on my steering wheel. Whatever the condition is, whatever the day has been, I give everyone and everything to you, God. But I also do it during the day. Um, I do it in the morning when I wake up, and all of that, um, C.S. Lewis says, all of it rushes at you like a pack of wild animals. Um, I give everyone and everything to you. So you can practice that. You can practice the one-minute pause. It's very accessible, very attainable. Um, benevolent detachment in the one-minute pause, but then in other places of your life, going into a meeting, coming out of a meeting, going into a difficult mm. conversation, coming out of it, I, I release this, God. I give everything and everyone to you. I give this to you. So we live in an absolutely mad world. The pace of life is, is um, harsh. It's traumatizing. Mm-hmm. The pace of life is traumatizing. There are, there are daily things I do, simple daily things to care for my soul. Another one is allowing the grace of transitions. Okay, so to go from a tender conversation mm-hmm. with Abigail into a really serious meeting at work is brutal mm-hmm. on the soul. Mm-hmm there has to be some sort of transition between that that's incredibly unkind. And we are forcing our souls through multiple gear changes mm-hmm. every day. We just, go, we just go from somebody just gives you some traumatic news to you want to go get a burrito to then you're into a really tough phone call that then you're late to a job site and so you got to get there fast to, you know, to solving something to dinner at home. And, and then people ask you, "How are you doing?" And, and you know, you know what the normal answer is. The normal answer is, "Really? If you were honest, I have no idea." Mm. Mm. That's come on. Yeah. Come on. When people and so instead you say, "Good," right? You lie, but it, it, but it's not it, it, because you just don't know what the answer right. is. It, it, because you are forcing your soul through multiple gear changes every day, mm. every week, every month, every year. My God, you have got to get transitions back, okay? And I mean, just literally, when you put down the phone from one phone call, you know, when you hang up and you hit the little red button, before you make another one, you pause. You breathe. You look out the window to see what the day is doing, right? You do nothing, Nothing, just 30 seconds. Just give yourself some kind of transition from that thing to this thing to that thing to this. Just restore transition. Yes. Now, this is really, really important in the larger sweep of things. So, you know, last summer we we took our family trip to the Tetons and because of stage of life and because of young kids and, you know, my sons are in this now. They couldn't, they couldn't fit the extra two days of drive time. We used to drive. We love the drive. It's a 10-hour drive, and it is such detox. Mm-hmm. It takes 10 hours to detox to get into beauty, rest, vacation, play. They couldn't do it. They had to fly in. So we're like, okay. But Stacey's like, we're driving. You know, we need, we need that detox time to look at the antelope in the field, to listen to a podcast or some music, to do nothing. So... Um it was fascinating cuz we pick up the kids at the airport and here we go and they they they're just mm. like whoa I'm not ready for vacation like I literally got here in an hour and a half from my world mm. and now I'm supposed to just sabbath like you where's the transition mm. time you've got to have some tra- and then we could have flown we could and we could have flown home but we drove home mm-hmm. and we actually spent an extra night in this funky little motel that we love in Dubois, Wyoming for the purpose of transition. Yes. You have to build transitions between like work and vacation, vacation back into work from a memorial service for someone you love back into family life from, from the conversation mm-hmm. with you know your daughter who's in tears to an angry phone call with your insurance agent. You have got to create transition. So that's helpful. Beauty, beauty, beauty is everything. Your soul is nourished by beauty, your soul is healed by beauty, and you can get it. You can get it. You don't have to go to the Himalaya, you don't have to go, you know, to the Maasai Mara. You'd be wonderful if you could get there. (laughs) Do it once in your life if you can, but daily beauty. Beauty. Because there is, a, there is an assault on your soul mm. all day long in the world. And, and here's the thing. Here's, here's the little secret to the beauty piece. So beauty heals. There's a reason that we send flowers to funerals. Right? You ever wonder why we do that? Why do we do that? It's an odd thing. Somebody died. Here's some flowers. Why? Because we, we, we know that words words are mm. really inappropriate. Mm. Interpretation, encouragement, scripture, you know, totally inappropriate. But beauty is a reminder mm. that everything is going to be okay. Mm. Okay. So we send flowers, right? Well, you got to get beauty in your daily life. Mm. You got to get beauty in your daily life. So here it's easy, mm. right? But at home, you'll be surprised um, how accessible it is. The frost, the frost on your windshield when you get in your car in the morning. Mm. And you're moving so fast, you don't even stop to notice mm. it. It is extraordinary. Mm. It is so beautiful, right? The sound of rain, right? It's so exquisite, okay? The way sunlight falls on your kitchen table in the morning when you're having coffee, you just stop and go, holy cow, that's beautiful. And here's the thing. I receive this beauty into my soul. That's what most people don't do. They look at it and they go, wow. Just, you know, like you just saw a two headed rooster and you just, and you, they just go on. There's no reaction to it. That you, I receive this beauty into my soul and with it, your love. Hmm. And with it, your love. Okay. Beauty heals, beauty nourishes. And the, and the thing is, so that you don't get taken out by the beauty, mm-hmm. right? Like if the beauty is the only beauty in your life, because you're parched, right? But if your soul is actually nourished on a regular basis by beauty, you look at that and you go, yeah, wildflower. It's a wildflower. You're, you're lovely. I don't, I don't need to take you, mm-hmm. you know, like you're, that's a wildflower. How lovely. And you're able to go on with your day. Mm. right? Because your soul is being nourished by beauty and all kinds of music, right? The beauty of silence. Okay. So what are you doing with the assault on your attention? Your attention is being assaulted for all day long. So if you pull your phone out, right? The assault on your attention. If you get online, assault on your attention if you watch any news if you any social media everything knows now your attention is the last commodity Mm. it's the last bit of real estate left on the earth Mm. is your attention and everybody is spending millions Mm. to try and grab it within five seconds before you can click skip ad right or whatever you know swipe or get out of it right Okay, so there's an assault on your attention. And, and, and what I realized was, fuck you. You can't have my attention. That's like mine. Like, it's really valuable. Like, the, the, here's the thing. So all the way down to all the spiritual traditions uh, of Christian disciplines it is the idea that transformation takes place when we are able to give our attention to God or to a grace he is giving like beauty, <laughs> okay? So that's where transformation takes place. They looked to him and were radiant, the psalm says. They gave him their attention yeah. and it had this you know, wonderful effect on their being, okay? So what are you doing with the assault on your attention? You gotta fight back, right? Like, and then, and then now n- name your family's cell phone practices. Our people, personally? Yep. Well, our
0: mudroom is kind of our vault, and so all the technology gets surrendered in the way into the house. And so if we need it, we get it, and we bring it into the home. If we're going to listen to music or we're going to participate with something together, but it lives outside of the sacred space, which is one little door, into a small room, but we've just had to make a physical barrier, for example— that that stuff comes in with intention because we're using it rather than
1: the default to
0: fill our time.
1: Exactly. Do you take your cell phones into your bedroom at night? No,
0: no, they're not. We're not allowed. We're not allowed and they're not allowed. Yeah. So no cell phones leave the main communal
1: area. Yeah. Right. Okay. Do you look at your
0: cell phone first thing in the morning? I wish I could say, I mean, the guideline is No. But as you say that, I also go, oh, there are times. Sure. I mean, there's times it ends up in my bedroom there. Yeah. But the spirit but is, the practice is father, like I said this yes. morning, right? It's father-centered. It's yep. God-initiated. And it's yep. from that place yep. that then you power on the world yep. and contend. Yep. When I'm not well, when I'm vulnerable, yep. when I'm weary, when, like you yes. said, it's reacting to my world, yes. I find myself looking yes. at it more yep. because it's... What fire do I have to
1: put out? Yes. Right? Right. Exactly. Take your attention back. Fight for it. Right? Full-on fight for Mm. your attention. Like, I am not going to let all of that, particularly technology, Mm. but media, news, information. So watching the reports on traumatic events is demonstrated to do trauma to the soul. The people that watched
0: Mm. the
1: news reports on 9-11... Had the similar PTSD reactions as those who were present. Mm. Really? You're gonna, you're gonna, so you're just gonna scroll through and look at the, all the things going on in the mm. news? I'm like, no way, you can't have my soul. You can't have my soul. Mm. No, I am taking my soul back from all of that, mm. right? You can't have my soul. Let me say that the whole, the whole goal is union with God. It's union with God, it is the integration of your being. With the being of god friendship yes sonship absolutely intimacy by all means but the goal Mm -hmm. is union of being you are a branch in need of a tree trunk okay there is only one tree trunk And and the more that we reintegrate our being into the being of god we're able to receive healing yes counsel direction answers you bet answers are important guidance, love, affection, interpretation of things, but mostly his life, the life of God flowing into us. We are cut flowers. We, we are broken branches mm. that need to be reintegrated into a unending source of life. And that's why I do these things. Mm. And that's why I don't do those things. Yes. That sucks life from me. This brings life. That takes me away from union with God. This brings me union with God. Therefore, that's what I practice. Last thought. The hour is late. The war is unbelievably gnarly. Okay? You are a group of very, very unique men. Very, very unique. And and, and, you're a group of warriors. So here's what we have to understand at this point in the war. Some things can be rescued, but not everything. Some Mm. people can be rescued, but not everything. And and you have got to stay tight and ask, am I supposed to be in this? Mm. Is this my fight? Because you're going to see a ton of things that need rescue and intervention, and, and you have to ask. You have, to, you have to stay tight and say, can that be accomplished? Mm. Can, can we get that done? Or is that something in benevolent detachment I simply have to let go of?
0: Mm.
1: Right? The hour is late, and, and, and we, are, we are a group of special forces. And the special forces, when it, when, you know, as many of you know, you, you don't go in and try and take an entire city. You can rescue some. You can rescue some. Mm. I mean, you have to be very tactical mm. in this hour. You have to be very, very tactical. We have to be very, mm. very tactical with, with how much can be done in this hour. And that will save you. That will save you from stuff you are not supposed to be in or stuff that just simply can't, it just can't be rescued. It'll be restored at the renewal of all things right it'll be rescued then they'll be rescued then that will be restored then but it can't it can't all get done now Mm. and we just have to be frank about that because that'll that'll fry you that that'll that'll really fry your soul as good men wanting to intervene yes right and now it's time for god yes it is (laughs) back to you thank you yeah you're welcome thank you that's
0: so good I think what I, I hear most in what John shared is this refreshing reminder of our soul matters. Our soul matters. It's the center of our life. And our soul has infinite need, and that can only be matched by God's infinite capacity to care for it. In summary... Where to land with cultivating a habitat for the heart daily, monthly, yearly—it's very personal. And those same young guys that I started with—they asked Dallas, "What do you do with your 15-minute quiet time in the morning?" In his Dallas-esque way, he said, "I." God is rather unconcerned with your 15-minute quiet time. The question is, what is it that you do with your other 23 hours and 45 minutes? The heart of the habits and the practices is how we are arranging our days from the frost on the windshield to the real thing, in our pocket to slowing down, our driving just a bit, our cadence just a bit, our eating just a bit to feel it and be in it in the present moment. And so how are you arranging your days? Are you arranging them so that today and in time and over time, you are experiencing a deep contentment? Joy and confidence in your everyday life with God in a mad world. The habits, the activities, the engaging, abstaining, and your unique, weird, wild personal ways is the fabric. It's the root system that gets established in the good soil. And in that soil, You know, there are these conditions Jesus talks about, and all of them are present in ways. And this maturation, this healing, this restoration is moving the shallow soil to good soil, and the rocky soil that's competing our duplicity, right? Our divided heart into good soil, and the hardened soil of just the cynical places and the self sufficient places into good soil. And all that soil is in transition through these habits and the brilliance of it. And God's wildness, you guys, is once you learn that there are no shortcuts and you get that seeded in your soul, there actually is one kingdom shortcut. Jesus says it right there in the sower and the seeds that those with good soil, produce a harvest 30, 60, 100 fold. It's a really good ROI. That's a supernatural return on investment. And so what's your frontier? That's the question on the table. Maybe two questions for you. What is the condition of your soul? I love the listening prayer John took us into because our soul has a landscape, a landscape. And there are pieces that have been restored and there are other places, the dark, forest or the weary dried out land? What is the condition of your soul and what is the father wanting to say to you? And then the second question I want to tie in with that is how are you arranging your days in light of what John shared this morning? Observe your life as it is now and how are you arranging your days and what is the next path? What's the invitation? What's the draw that you could be put right back into the same circumstances and context that you came from and begin the small, strong, kind shifts towards arranging your days as though your soul matters for the with God life. Friends, I hope this session hosted by me and by John has served as an encouragement and a soul strengthener for you, that it's found you in your world. I realized that not everyone can come participate in the intensive and even when men come to the intensive, it's still a one-time experience for most men and then they go back to their ordinary lives. And so the intention is for this mission of Become Good Soil podcast to connect each and every one of us in our ordinary lives, in the daily fabric of a present tense reality of living life in God and His kingdom. As Ken Helser says, we can see God in everything and miss Him in anything. And so, friends, it's my hope and my prayer that today this podcast was, would serve as an opportunity for us to not miss God right here in the dailies, to tune into our own hearts in the heart of God, and to become very clear about what's essential, about what's absolutely critical for us to respond to God and to step deeper into his kingdom right here in the midst of our everyday life. Bless you. Hope that you will pray about applying to the Become Good Soil intensive and sharing that event with others that may be interested, and we'll see you back together on another episode of the Become Good Soil podcast. It's
1: an honor to share these miles with you. Thank you.